0: a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but their humble, holy way of living is exactly what makes them Extra. And I'm very excited for you to meet them. Today's guest is someone I was introduced to uh, over 25 years ago, uh, quite literally as a rock star. And after getting kicked out of his band, we've, been, uh, we've maintained a connection through various work gigs, our college alma mater, Go Gusties, and a shared interest in helping uh, young and old people discover purpose-driven careers. Uh, we also have an affinity for guys named Matt, which we can talk about later, too. Uh, he is a serial entrepreneur and innovator, most recently unleashing his po- uh, unleashing the power of gaming for good. Uh, but most of all, he is a family man and a friend, and we are very lucky to have him on the podcast today. Welcome today's man-a-man, Mr. Bob Mohawk. Hey, Bob. Howdy. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, so, welcome to the welcome to the podcast. And uh, as um, as all of our guests, you know, we could we could talk, and we and we uh, we literally can talk for as much as much time as we want about about what um, what really inspires me about the way you live your faith and 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 and, and uh, the example that you set for for fellow men like me. Um, but all of the guys on on the on the show uh, have something about them. That to me, uh, similar to brands, you know, in a grocery store, you know, there's a, there's something that that sort of distinguishes them, at least in my sort of catalog of awesome guys, and 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 so while we'll talk about your background and, and kind of you know uh, how you're living now, um, what I like to do is actually start the conversation about uh, talking about what makes what makes you unique at least to me. And and to me I, I me, I mentioned it in the intro, and it is, you know, for as long as we've had the great, uh, I consider it a great blessing to, to know each other, you've always operated with a deep sense. And whether you called it faith or Jesus or, or God, you've always operated with, with a deep sense of purpose, you know, about everything that you do. And you've had so many different, you know, uh career kind of gigs and and, and interests and and through school and your kid but you you nothing uh, i don't know who said it but some famous person long ago said something to the extent like uh, the unexamined life is not worth living okay and that is you like you're very thoughtful and, and i remember this is a couple might have been a couple of years ago maybe not that long ago and and you're might have been when you started doing this gaming stuff and it was so exciting and it looked so great. It made sense for all the right reasons. And I could, you know, a lot of energy in it and 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 even in that, even at the height of this sort of like excitement about this new venture, you said, and the only thing I just I just don't know if I'm doing enough good with it. And so <laughs> I remember I remember I wanted to like shake you by the shoulders and like, go, oh my gosh like get over it this is awesome so anyway the, the how I kind of wanted to start by by also just you know, acknowledging that because I think I've told you that before but if I haven't there you go is just asking where that where that comes from like has that always been something you know when you think back to growing up or is it something that kind of came to you through college or maybe when you got into working, but where did that, where did that sense of, of purpose? Cause you, cause you, you work so hard today and also helping young people find their purpose, you know, I mean, whether it's teaching at college or, or just mentoring, you know, interns or whatever, but that's definitely a, that's a distinct trait of how I see you living your faith. And just curious as to where that, where that comes from. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I, I think the irony is you've actually been
1: somebody in my life that has sharpened that. When you were the guest speaker down at Gustavus teaching that class and the Frederick Buchner quote, Mm. which is about, you know, God's calling is your, your, you know, the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness, where do those things intersect? And, um, I don't know early in my career if I had that same purpose. And I think as I had children and as I, having grown up in the advertising industry where candidly, Uh, It was often more like Melrose Place than it was (laughs) corporate life. You know, I remember being exposed to a lot of things and watching people have affairs and watching um, people within certain companies, uh, either clients or colleagues, behaving in a way that Mm -hmm. I really struggled with.
0: Mm -hmm. And Which is almost like the stereotype of, of, you know— agency culture and you know kind of right and so here you're seeing it and it very much was and I remember
1: I made you know when I you know I kind of grew up at one agency and when I made um, a decision to finally leave that place it was really important that the founders of that company and the leadership were Christians Mm -hmm. and you know we couldn't run around saying we were doing a lot of good in the world you know making ads for people it's Ironic that the Frederick Buchner quote calls out, if you're making soap commercials, you know, you're probably not doing a lot to solve, address the needs in the world. And so as I got older and um, spending more time with men like you, where you're talking about your faith and you're talking about what is that balance? How do you, how do you make a positive impact? And um, at that second agency where I spent a lot of time, or third agency actually in my career, um, we actually made a it wasn't overt it, you know we didn't run around with banners that we were christians in fact when the founder of the company passed away and we had a a meeting kind of an all employee meeting and they asked me to speak and to say things and he was everybody loved him and he treated everybody so well and he did all look always looking out for the people that were left behind but i don't know that most people in the company knew he was a christian mm-hmm. so that was one of the things i called out i said here's a guy who you may see his behavior and actions in the company and just think he's a great guy. But if you didn't know it, he was a devout Catholic and was living his faith in a non-advertised way within the office. And so that even if the company wasn't doing anything to better the planet, you know, through his success, through the founder's success or the agency's success, we did a lot of purpose-driven things. And, you know, that story, that was about John Olson who created the brand lab. Mm-hmm. which, you know, has, yeah. you know, had a huge impact yeah. on a lot of kids' lives. And so even though the company itself wasn't necessarily directly, you know, it, it impacted people's lives, but typically in a, some kind of a commercial sense, but yeah. his legacy is something that's changing kids' lives yeah. today.
0: And do you find that, that, and this isn't meant to be a leading question, but I would imagine that when you're speaking of John in, in front of, you know, people that he's worked with day in and day out, and for those that didn't know that, did you find that, when that was sort of realized that, you know, there was actually, you know, even more appreciation and uh, reception and welcoming of that, um, then, then maybe a lot of us, as we go about our secular days and we're all so sensitive, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to, and I, I run into it too. Like whenever I feel like I want to tell someone that I'm going to pray for him or reference something, I always feel like I have to, like, sorry, this is going to sound really churchy, but, did you, did you find, though, that when people were then making that connection of the life that, in this case, John led and what really was behind it, did you find that people were like, well, that's really cool, and, and I kind of wish I would have known that, you know? I mean, because I find that, that, especially with guys like you that are able to, to, to deliver, and here's another example of sounding really churchy, but, like, you're delivering the word of Jesus not in the conventional package, you know, not in a youth pastor or a priest or somebody who's, you know, who, back to the Beekner quote, uh, is wearing the hair shirt. You know, it's not yeah. that suffering, like, oh my gosh, like, this is all, like, you can't shut up, it's Jesus, this, Jesus. But, but when guys like you, making ads for soap, <laughs> you know, are, 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 are evoking that and reminding people of what's behind a lot of this goodness in the world, do you find that people are like, well, all right, like they almost feel validated, you know, or, or, or even better about it. Yeah, I think two a couple things happened.
1: In that case specifically, he had family members in the audience that actually came up and deliberately thanked me for, I you know, my speech for John Olson was here's 15 things about John Olson that will stick with me forever, and one was his faith. And I had enough of a relationship where he did it. But I think you always find that other people of faith, when they see – Anybody, whether you're in leadership or not, express that in an environment where, to your point, you feel awkward or Mm -hmm. you want to be apologetic for it, instantly have this, they want to seek you out because they have that shared faith and purpose. Um, And I think people who may not have the faith, it plants a little seed that it's just something where it's like, hopefully it's a, I have a great friend who always talking about doing soil work. And if you're just doing soil work and planting a seed, so somebody says, thinks to themselves at some point, wow, is that, I never, that's why that person, there's a purpose behind the behavior. There's a purpose, you know, um, my wife will always talk about, you know, living faith to just try to live like Jesus. How do you treat people in that way? And if somebody just looks at, you know, John Olson and said, that's why he did that stuff. Mm -hmm. Or that was part of the reason he did those things. I think it's, Those two things, people of faith always like spark and go, want to find a way to say, I share that belief too.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: And they take comfort. If you're a leader in a company and you do that, I think it's, if you do it in a way that it doesn't alienate people that don't share your beliefs, but gives comfort to those that don't.
0: No, I love that. I love that soil work. That's a great, that's a great visual and a great, great, uh, great example. So, so back to the, back for you then, when you, you know, you talk about, getting into, you know, business, you graduate from, from, from college, you're, you're, I mean, and, and for everybody listening, Bob's being incredibly modest. He landed at like the top at the time, the top advertising agency in not even Minnesota. It was like in the country. And so dude, you went from like, you didn't even go to the farm team. Like you went right from like the draft to like the Yankees. And so you're, 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 you're head first in it. You're succeeding. You're realizing that, you know, maybe, for the next lap around the track, I want something different. Was that something that that um you know, did it did it come as like a like a like a Eureka kind of epiphany kind of a thing? Like there's gotta be a better way, or did it just feel like more of this sort of whisper over time, like, you know, I just or did you was there somebody that you met and maybe it was John, you know, but 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 how did you get to that? place where, I mean, obviously every day that we live, we get more and more mature with our faith, but if you think, can think back to making that decision, what kind of an event was that?
1: I would say it's more gradual. Like the, the, the decision with the, when I, I didn't leave that previous agency because of anything that had happened. It was more of an observation and, um, but it was a there was a conscious decision of a big part of why I accepted that next job, why I took that job was knowing, wow, here's a leadership team that shares those values and in um, faith, and then I think it really there's moments where you know that iron sharpens iron, and you say there's times where you know that that metal's been pounded by people, yeah, um and that I've not that Fred, the quote that you shared in that class is one that to me has really uh, is one of those hammers on the iron that's made you think about it. But it's been, a lot of it has been, as I've gotten older, spending, finding ways to connect with other Christian men and talk about faith and talk about how do you do it. Conversations you and I have had of how, yeah. you know, hey, you don't have to. Uh, And if I'm saying Frederick Buchner wrong, and it's Buechner. I don't know either. So Buchner, Buchner, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. The guy had it on the money, where it's like there's a way to live your purpose in any environment. Like, you know, in any business, it doesn't have to just be I'm doing mission work, the point of the quote. So it's been a gradual – it's been gradual, and I guess just seeing – things within different businesses and either the way that um, people's actions or the way certain people were treated to just
0: be deliberate about. Yeah. Well, and you do a great job too. And I think this is, you know, this is the Holy spirit working in a bit, but when you talk about other, you know, Christian men, you know, you surround yourself with more great examples of guys that have got it together or at least are, are, On the path, you know, your road to Emmaus would be like 10 wide. You know, you got guys, you got five on each side of you. And I think that's another testament to whether it's an intentional thing, you know, waking up every day saying, all right, I'm going to go make more friends that, you know, which obviously I'm being ridiculous there. But I mean, you, you have a way of surrounding yourself with just great guys that, and I'm sure women as well, but you know, this podcast is manna, Not woman, huh <laughs> and I think that's just a great that's a great example. So, so how do you so, you know, like I said in the intro, you know, you've got this a real, I think, calling to help young people figure out their purpose and their and their kind of direction. How do you, how do you, how do you find? I mean, obviously, you've, you've taught classes. How when did that come? When did that specific strain of like Um, work? Because I would contend that that is, you know, part of God's work is figuring out why we're all here. Is that something that, you know, that was there, was there an inflection point in your own career where you're like, you know, I'm going to help. So it's not now just about you and talking to your friends. It's like specifically helping young people figure out what their path and purpose is.
1: Yeah. And that so the irony is actually started as kind of an entrepreneurial business idea when I was, um, at an agency and I was often doing informational interviews and a number of them from our alma mater that weren't performing up to the (laughs) status quo. And I, I was frustrated. It was so hard for me to get that first job at the agency you talked about. It wasn't my first job. I got turned down and I had to go get another job and eventually got there. Um, I was frustrated by how lazy and unprepared people were for these informational interviews when I was giving time. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to write a little cheat guide and let them stick it in their suit coat. And for I'll guarantee him a job in this industry, if they just say these things in an interview and you know, prep <laughs> out in the lobby. And I realized that's probably doing a disservice to the industry. And, and, um, and so I actually, I had reached out to Gustavus and said, boy, I, you know, are, these gusties need to be better. Like, they're competing with kids in the, that are around these agencies in the cities. And, and when I went and taught that first class and worked with a few kids after that class that had followed up that got jobs, mm-hmm. and you saw... Like, it worked. It, well, it worked <laughs> it, the, well, not the cheating part. Of, yeah, right. It wasn't just say these things. It yeah. was the class was about using these skills that you and I learned in a branding environment or marketing or selling to help you through that job hunting process. But what happened with those kids and and their parents, it was like you're changing their lives in a really profound way. Getting that first job, yeah. how great is Huge. that moment if Huge. you're struggling with it and you you sort that out. And then, you know, again, even the there was a purpose component to the class when I taught it, but, you know, you and there was one other guest speaker that the guys were brought this just elevated purpose level that ignited – a spark in these students, even more than the here's the core curriculum. Like, mm-hmm. how do I find that purpose? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's neat. Where did your if you think back to growing up? I mean, you know did did you operate with like did you grow up in a in a, in a pretty churchy kind of household? I mean, let, describe your what, what was what was young Bob Mohawk like back you know in his teen years? I mean, yeah. was it uh, was it always so sort of like at least Aware of of a place in the world and, and a purpose, or, yep. or what was we, it like?
1: We always went to church. We were always at Sunday school. Um, in sixth grade, I ended up going to a Christian Reformed middle school, all the way then through college, through high school, uh, Christian Reformed school. And so, faith was part of uh, part of that education. But because I was a you know the Christian Reformed. Faith basically believes if you're not Christian Reformed, you're not going to heaven. So I was kind of the, I was the outcast that there were literally some parents that didn't want their kids to play with me because I wasn't Christian Reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but faith and religion were a part of, of education. But more than that, the church we were involved in was incredible. Uh, very involved in the youth group growing up. And um, through that youth group probably had the most faith-defining Um, spark or moment where we went to this Christian rock festival in Wilmore, Kentucky called Ichthus. And this was, I think I was in ninth grade. Um, And I remember the theme of it to this day, it was more than conquerors, Romans 837. And that um, I've always loved music. And that experience was unbelievable. Um, And really from that moment on Christian music has played a, Really powerful.
0: Yeah, we we have. For those listening, Bob and I do share. uh, We do share a connection through music, and also a a, a, um, blessed uh, uh, evolution of Christian music, specifically back from the Striper days. Which I do. I just I referenced Striper on one of the other uh, shows, and the the guest didn't even know who was talking about. I'm like, come on, to hell with the devil. Yeah. You know, back in the day, servant and youth choir and undercover. Now we've got, thankfully, we've got such great examples out there like Matt Marr and and the like, so that's great. All right, well, we are to the now, um, and actually, as a brand guy, you could help me with this segment because this is is the unbranded uh, fun segment of the show, Uh, so we need, like, a name, we need some theme music, something to break it up, but that'll be for season two maybe. But so, fun segment, uh, three questions, and for those listening – Uh, As I've clarified on on other shows, uh, these are the questions that the guests, all MANA guests, have had these questions in advance. So there's um, no—none of these guys can BS their way through and say, oh, wow, what a great question. Hmm, I've never thought of that. That's either a lie or you've just ignored all the pre-work. Either way, it does not reflect uh, positively on you. So uh, fun segment number one, two, and three. First question in our fun segment, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow— and wanted to hang out what would you do with him
1: so this is one my answer has not it's just been constantly running through my head <laughs> where it's like how would you actually spend your time doing that and the the first thing i thought was literally i'm going to wash this man's feet like how do you cool. thank how do you thank him for what he's done yeah. and i literally thought about oh i want hey put your feet up and let me thank you and mm-hmm. then i thought well what would jesus want to do And how would I, where could I take him to show him the most impoverished people to make an impact? I'd love to go bring him to people whose lives he could touch and transform or, um, to people of opposing faiths for lack of a better term and walk him in and just, and to, um, to be able to make an impact. Like what could he do? Yeah. You know, I, and so I, there's not a great answer because the first thing I thought was thank him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I would want to ask him about my mom. My mom took her life nine years ago after battle with depression. And I'd love to say, I hope she's doing okay now and mm-hmm. how, or how is she doing? Yeah. Um, but then just how do you, how could he, where could you take him to make the biggest impact while you're with him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very unfair question. Uh, but as the host, I get to ask, <laughs> but I kind of remember. Actually, I just made this connection. Now. It's kind of speaking of music, you know. It's that, it's that Mercy Me song. You know, you, you can only imagine. Like, I, it's it's. And if you think, if you think about it too much, like it's it's almost like, paralyzing, but in a good way. Like you'd just be so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the
1: magnitude. I mean, I could point to a hundred things in my life where I want to thank him for helping me through this or this or this yeah, or doing this yeah, this this. Yeah. But the, how does that? How does How am I impacting my life,
0: you know, a grain of sand on the beach versus... That's cool. That's cool. All right. Fun segment uh, question number two. This really needs to be branded better. Um, And on this one, you can't actually say Jesus. Um, So this question, if you could go to church with any other guy, and uh, just for clarification, it does have to be a guy. Uh, One of our other guests cited several examples, and then threw threw a gal in there. And this is not, this is, that's fine, but for the purpose of this podcast, we're talking about guys. And so if you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, who would it be? So you've already said his name, and it's Matt Maher. Okay. That
1: the most powerful faith-affirming moments for me have been, ironically, the Concert two years in a row with a group of guys um, where I've sat in the audience sobbing through songs, and it's the most powerful church. And so I might be cheating because those have been like the most memorable worship experiences of my life. Um, But if it was, hey, you've got to still pick up and go to some church somewhere else. Um, I would still want to go with him because he's got such an unbelievable command of the scripture and a way of humanizing it in a way that you can either internalize and point to how it can make an impact in your life or you see how it can make an impact in other people's lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which
1: are never, you know, life is hard. And so when you find tangible expressions to connect that faith and remind the faith, it's like... um, I've, yeah, it's just, it's been so profound.
0: So true. Yeah. So, so quick, quick uh, Matt, Matt Marr story with Bob. So, for those listening, uh, it was about a year ago, maybe. Uh, so, Bobby uh, coordinates about it, had to be at least 10 of us, grown men, to go see uh, Matt play as part of another show. I can't remember who. Um, the other band was, but anyway, but, but Matt Maher was going to be there. And so we all get together and everyone's jacked up to see Matt Maher. And so we all get in this. One of the guys had access to a suite, which is great. And so we're all, and it's, and I think it was, I think it was just all guys. It, yeah, It was just a bunch of men fired up for, for Jesus and, and for Matt. And, uh, and so the lights go down and, and here comes Matt Maher, uh, you know, up on, on stage and sits down and he, he plays a song. He's like, oh, man, that was great!" And, and he, I think, he might have played one more song, and that was it. <laughs> we're all a bunch of these, you know, uh, middle-aged, you know, white guys sitting in this week, feeling just robbed. And uh, but what was cool about that, in hindsight, even though we were all morbidly disappointed that we didn't get get more 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 Matt music, it was cool that when you looked around, I mean. Here are all these guys getting together for a common, like, you know, sort of purpose. Uh, And, I mean, if if somebody would have, if there would have been, like, a camera in the suite kind of angled the other way and said, hey, you know, what are these 10 guys doing at uh, Target Center, you know, in the suite? Like, we could have just as easily have been watching a Timberwolves game, you know. And the fact that you had brought all these men together— for fellowship, which is a dorky church word, but I mean, but it was essentially fellowship and, and is just a great example of both the power of music, but also just, again, what you do so well is you bring the, you find these connections with other men that, you know, when we're all together, we're like, this is awesome, you know, and it's just as, it's just as fun as watching a sporting event, or it's just as fun as, you know, watching a basketball or, or you know, a you know, quote-unquote regular concert. You know, I think that's it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, it was because I know the previous, you were going to join us at the other Matt Maher concert, yeah. and you were stuck out of town, and I was texting you clips yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And so I was excited for you to have this first unbelievable Matt Maher experience the way we all had the, the previous two times, and then for... Three songs and thank you very much. Was, <laughs> that was like oh what? God, this
0: is it? This is why okay. is he listed All as right. the special guest? Yeah, exactly like Right. All right. Last one. Fun segment. Question number three. If you had, and you've been in this position before, so you can you can you can pull up an actual piece of advice, or you can or you can offer a new one here. But if you had one piece of advice to give to a young man um, about being more comfortable in living his faith, what would that piece of advice be?
1: I think it would be to find other men of faith early in your career um, that you can have open conversations with about life and faith and, um, you know, to your question earlier about when did when did life become or work become more purpose-driven at any level. And it was through those relationships that, um, through, through music and these relationships with other men, this group of guys that we jokingly call the Saints and Sinners mm-hmm. after a Matt Maher album, um, they've said more profound faith-driven things to me that I see and try to live in my daily life than any sermon mm-hmm. I can remember. Mm-hmm. And I, there's things from you, there's things from every one of the guys that are part of that group and that network um, and so for a young man to have that early in your career, which I think the um, society has elevated the anxiety or fear of actually admitting your faith. Mm-hmm kind of ironic it's like video games 10 years ago if you asked a 40 year old or a 30 year old do you play video games they would sh- even if they did they'd go uh no <laughs> when i did when i was little and they're at home <laughs> and faith is like that too where it's like at some point once you've done that it's like the yoke is gone to to talk about your yeah. faith because everybody already knows it yeah. and so to find other men where you can have that um and, you know, the the range of the guys in this core group that, you know, we don't meet for coffee every Thursday. It's not that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're trying, we try to at least once a year, I think, try to get the group together for something. But it's more just, how do you find that man in your life that can be a mentor, that um, you can have an honest and candid relationship about, where with, I think, the comfort of faith, know that there's no motive, there's no, it's just, I'm here to help. And mm-hmm. I'm a, and and to know that that's reciprocal, that, you know, some of the, the, the most unbelievable, most successful, most looked up to men in my life have shared things with me where it's like life's tough for everybody. Yeah. And so to have those, those people in your life that can help you through those, I think, I wish I would have had, this, I wish I would have known these men earlier in my life or had yeah. more of them or had more conversations with them about faith and life earlier.
0: Yeah, so true, so true. Going, going through it together versus thinking you got to go through it alone. So That's great. Thank you, Bob. It's a great. I really appreciate the time and uh, everything that you're doing. And uh, great to have you on mana. Thank you for doing this. I love it. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.